looking into the fury-filled eyes of an NYPD lieutenant who has his arm cocked back and swings at my head with a fucking nightstick. And it made a noise. And it's, it's a sound that was completely alien. Because it was coming from inside my fucking head. Brutality, uh, a wonderful story from Brent Schmidt, my guest again this week on the podcast. We're going uh, to talk to him about his experiences with Occupy. We're going to get more into the structure of Occupy and then uh, a little teaser of his uh, police brutality incident. So there's that. Uh, making a coffee in the Keurig machine. I'm sure you can hear that. Yeah, there's a, there it is. What a waste. What a wasteful product. It is a terrible, perverted product uh, of capitalism. It's a monster of capitalism is what it is. Just disposable cups. Throwing them away every fucking day. Though I don't use the cups anymore. You can get an adapter and then just put the coffee grinds right in there. Alright. Jesus Christ. I'm really running out of stuff to talk about. Uh, (laughs) You know what sucks about this podcast besides almost everything? Uh, well, I have to edit it, and then I have to go through and listen to my voice, and it's like, oh, God, what the... uh, I'm surprised anybody listens, which is why there's probably nobody listens. Voice is annoying. All right, coffee's done. Anyway, what's going on in the news? Stupid, uh, people are angry about Planned Parenthood. Um, Congress is making it into a political issue, trying to take funds away. This is all, and then everyone's uh, the hashtagging I stand with Planned Parenthood. And I think there's a definite immediacy, like you need to, uh, I see the need to keep that funded, obviously, for uh, the short term. But like all this energy, again, is just getting put into a temporary fix of this uh, social issue, which is going to last forever and will never be addressed under capitalism totally. Because uh, what we need is universal health care, health care for everybody at no cost, not being run for profit. Uh, until anybody cares to address that, then we might fight and uh, get Planned Parenthood funded or other um, organizations like it uh, might get funded. But it's always going to be up for a debate. It's always going to turn into a political issue. It's always going to be under threat by the right wing. So if we, if it's just like we put all this energy into getting it funded, good. But now, where's the broader movement? You gotta have, it's gotta be attached to a full movement of universal healthcare, or else we're just gonna have to, we're gonna find ourselves fighting this fight in a few months, a couple years maybe, or whenever, whenever they decide to make it into a political issue during an election cycle. That's what's gonna keep happening. Same thing with the Fight for 15 movement. This is a problem. <laughs> this goes back to Occupy, too. The Fight for 15 movement, good movement, support it. I think people should be paid more, obviously. And if you could, and if you fight and you win that temporary wage, that's great. You should get it. But 
that's not where the fight stops. You shouldn't just be putting all this energy into a temporary solution. Like $15, you might be able to win it. You can see some of the capitalists in, I believe, Seattle. Seattle, uh, Los Angeles just passed a $15 an hour minimum wage law. So, you know, maybe some of the more liberal cities or liberal areas of the country, we're going to see those capitalists and the ruling class capitulate because they know overall, like, it doesn't matter. They're still exploiting your labor. They'll get $15 an hour, but who cares? In a few years, inflation will happen. And your $15 an hour in real wages will drop. It'll plummet, and they'll still be able to be, they'll be making just as much profit or more. So you can't just, like, these movements need to be rooted into a, a greater movement for social change, or else they're just going to be dead in the water in a few years. And then we're going to find ourselves fighting it again. So then in 10 years, we'll be like, oh, fight for 20. We've got to fight for 20. <laughs> it's like, no. If you look at, what is this, it's 2015, if you look back 100 years ago, roughly, what was happening? Russian Revolution. It's like right now we we have people begging McDonald's. We're begging a clown to pay them more money. Oh, please clown, pay me a living wage. 100 years ago in Russia, uh, the workers (laughs) took over the government. They threw a king out. They usurped the czar and they did it with guns and gusto. What a, what a difference a hundred years makes. A hundred years isn't that long ago. Workers led a revolution. Overthrew the current system. Yeah. So anyway, that's what I'm advocating. Arm yourselves. And see, uh, make that clown back down. Turn Burger King into a burger co-op. Alright. There's that. So anyway, we're going to talk more about Occupy. And again, I think a lot of that, uh, a lot of the good energy in Occupy... Uh, and, and the good things that it stood for, uh, you know, sort of reigning in Wall Street, holding Wall Street accountable for their crimes, which were crimes. They were real crimes. Wall, Wall Street does real world damage. When speculators fuck up and bubbles burst, real people lose their jobs, lose their houses, their lives are torn apart. Why? So a couple dudes in suits could have turned a quick profit? I mean, why? Why is that? And nobody gets held accountable for it. No one went to jail. You know who did go to jail? Probably all those poor people who were squatting in their houses, who are who uh, squatted in Zuccotti Park, got beat up by the cops for having their houses taken away by a bank. Yep. So anyway, we're talking more about that on today's episode with uh, Brent. Uh, one of the things I think we didn't really bring up, and as I was listening to the audio, I don't think it came up in this episode. Uh, we're going to do one more with Brent, too. Um, but we talk about how, you know, certain aspects of the park or of Occupy, um, you know, there were two factions he was talking about, uh, you know, t- divided into East and West, and there's sort of one side was more serious, so to speak, than the other side. But what we kind of didn't mention is this was also a tactic by the police. The police were emptying out... Uh, like jail cells. Like they pick up crazies, like homeless people off the street. Just poor, crazy people on the street who get arrested. And what they were doing specifically was dumping them at Occupy sites. This is a tactic by the, the power structure to break up Occupy and delegitimize it. And it, it cause problems within its structure. And they're very good at it. This is something, too, uh, I believe it came out, it's, it might have been in the Snowden leaks. 
uh, the, what was one of the leaks through uh, WikiLeaks. There was a, a bunch of information spilled out about uh, psychological ops, the, the psyops program that the government runs. And that sounds like I'm talking about crazy shit, but I'm not talking about crazy shit. I'm not a paranoid schizophrenic. This is a real thing that our government does. They have been honing psychological warfare for the last 70 years or so, and it really kicked up into high gear during uh, Vietnam, and especially during the protests of the civil rights movement in the 60s and into the 70s. Like, the government is masterminding crowd control. And the, you see it in, there's a good book, it's called uh, Revolution in the Age of Social Media by uh, Linda Herrera. And you kind of see wh- exactly how uh, private corporations, along with the State Department and probably the CIA, are able to, not so much, I mean, I'm sure they have boots on the ground too, people influencing, but they create social media accounts now, they push for, a like, so during the uh, Egyptian uh, sort of revolution in 2011 and, and all the uh, sort of Arab Spring, uh, a lot of that shit was co-opted by things like AT&T and Google and PepsiCo. Like, they, they got their marketers in there and they made sure that the revolution that were happening wouldn't take on sort of a, a, a nationalist, uh, really like a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a nationalist secular movement. Uh, they didn't want like what happened in the uh, 50s in Iran where uh, Mossadegh was elected president, wanted to nationalize his country's oil industry. Uh, and the Iranian people were behind that because the British had been uh, robbing them, quite frankly, just stealing their natural resources and selling it on the global market for ridiculous profits. So Mossadegh wanted to put an end to that. Uh, what happens? Uh, CIA MI5 and uh, British Petroleum orchestrate a coup and put in the Shah. So they're, they're scared. They know how to do this. They've done it before. And so when these uh, popular insurrections happened across the Middle East and North Africa a few years ago, they've already done this before. So they co-opt the revolution. They make sure that it doesn't stray from a uh, free market ideology. They want to make sure capitalist ideals hold true and stay there. And they've done it. (laughs) So they do this shit abroad. And my point is they do that abroad and then it comes back home. So they know how to do it overseas, and don't think for a second they're not putting the same tactics uh, to use on you. They're using it on their own population. This is what security states do. And uh, Brent and I talk about this in this episode. States, governments that start monitoring their people, start policing their people in this way, their own populations, they don't have a good history. They collapse. We're in a fucking strange, strange time where we know we're being monitored. We know we're being spied on. Like, every minute we know, like, whoever... Somebody's probably got this stupid podcast on a file or on a server somewhere in the FBI, and somebody's just... Because how hard is it to keep tabs on this? It's not that big of a file, you know, data size-wise. Just uh, download it on your hard drive. It's there. In case you want to bring me up on some charges or use this against me in some... Later point. We're all being monitored, but nobody really seems to care. 
It's all kind of a joke because we've made a generation of just sillies, silly people who don't seem to care, who seem to think that... Uh, so this is one of the things that I realized is like we view ourselves just kind of as the product of our time. And we kind of... I think this is a popular notion. I think this is also some something that is uh, perpetuated by the system. It's a top-down thing. So like in America we have this kind of idea of the individualistic loner archetype, right? The rebel without a cause type thing, you know, and that's, that that permeates a lot of culture. So like if you, even within, you know, I was involved in the comedy scene, like it's kind of the cool thing to be like the renegade loner, right? Like you can't belong to a party or have a specific ideology. You kind of just have to think that everything is crap. And if you think that everything is crap, then you think that even the forces for social change are crap. Like, it is a way of getting us to believe that we can't affect meaningful change. And it's permeated throughout all of our culture. And I think that's why when I came to realize sort of that, no, that's not really the case. That is a big lie. Like, we are able to affect change, but that's going to take a lot. And it's going to take organization. And it's going to take a lot of failure. It's going to take something like Occupy springing up and getting repressed and broken up by the state. And then it's going to take something, and I hope people realize this, that it's going to take a real dedicated revolutionary movement to actually affect a real radical social change. And the change that would benefit most people, things like universal health care, things like houses, having a place to live, not having to live in fear of debt paying off your student loans, free college, free education, free health care. I already said the health care thing. But you know what I'm saying? You can't get that under capitalism. We'll, we'll get breadcrumbs tossed off the dinner table of the elite. That's all we'll get. Yep. Anyway, so yep, the state has perfected breaking up these movements. And that's also a crazy thing to think about, too, is like, well, how can a... I think I was talking about this with uh, Fakundu. And I'll be talking about it with uh, my next guest, Stephanie McMillan, who's a revolutionary and a cartoonist. Is what do you what do you do about that state security apparatus? I mean, it's so huge at this point. We know they're monitoring everybody. How do we bypass it? How do we destroy it? How do we dismantle it without it knowing what we're up to and squashing us before it happens? Who knows? And what's going to drive that event? I don't know. It's going to be an interesting few years next 10 20 years i think it's going to be i think we're going to see radical change either either in some form of a revolution um which way it goes because capitalism capitalism can go backwards that's the thing i think we forget too is it can slide back into the form of feudalism that was before it so capitalism sprung up from feudalism and it still has aspects of it and we can slide backwards into that feudalism into that barbarism we can slide into fascism or even worse fascism, or we can transition into socialism. But what will be the driving force and who's going to sort of lead that? Uh, I don't want to say who's going to lead to mean like a singular person, but what uh, entities are going to drive that force? Are we going to be able to displace the ruling class? Is a working class going to uh, form a coalition, some kind of cohesive unity? and uh, overthrow the rulers or are we going to slide backwards into fascism 
Ooh, can't wait to see what happens. All right, well, that's that. I didn't do any street interviews for this episode because uh, I have a lot of audio to get through with uh, Brent. Uh, but it's a really interesting thing we get to. I teased you with his story there, so we'll get into how he was uh, roughhoused, to say the least, by the cops. And uh, we get into more of the actual political structure of the people on the ground at Occupy. All right, here we go. So I was just, like, leaning against this <laughs> desk, like, dozing off. Not listening to Rick Santorum. And then all of a sudden, like, his words just kind of kicked through my brain. And I realized he was trying, he was proposing, like, uh, abolishing divorce. <laughs> How did that work out for I, I mean, like, it, it was never even debated. Yeah. It was just, like, some wackadoo bullshit that he fucking does. Is um, he, like, legitimately crazy? Or is he, like, how, how, like, these Republicans that you see that are just, like, bad shit. And it's like, yeah, it's not like there's not Democrats, but like the most batshit obviously are Republicans right yeah. now. It's like when you see them, how much of that is just a show for like the dumb constituent base, and how much of that is their actual personality? I always wonder that. And did you see like a difference? Like, did you see a guy go into theater mode where he's just really trying to sell it? Yeah. And then he walks off stage and he's just the complete opposite or yeah i mean there was there was a fair amount of that like i since i worked for the democrats i was mainly on the democratic side so most of my interactions were with those senators but there were some like like john mccain was a shithead uh which is fun that i can say that based (laughs) off of personal experience uh because i mean like and like you and i talked about this it was cool that uh we're just dumb kids so they don't have to acknowledge us right so we get to see how they treat human beings that they don't have to, like, treat in any way. Yeah. So we would, like, hold the doors open for the senators, and, like, you know, if the doors weren't open fast enough for McCain, he would, like, get pissed and blow through them. It's like, <laughs> I, you know, and just, like, wouldn't talk to people and was just, like, always just, you know, uh, same with, like, I saw Dick Cheney a couple times, and, like, he just had this evil energy. <laughs> like, both times, he burst through doors. Like, he didn't open doors. Like, they just, like, burst open, and he stormed through. Wow. Uh, so, I don't know if he actually pushed them, or if it was just, like, the force of his, <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> um, or just a couple Republican pages coming by and shove the doors open. <laughs> yeah, quick, quick! Um, yeah, it, uh... I mean, there were some, like, most of them were pretty good to us, uh, you know, at least just polite and cordial. Some of them were great, um, and, like, there were some, like, the switch, like, Ted Kennedy was awesome, because, like, he wasn't a switch from, like, you know, evil to, like, yeah, you know, now I'm a man of the people. Yeah. He was just an old fucking man. Like, this was like two years, a year or two before he died. Yeah. And so when he would come onto the floor and would be like talking with his staff members or, you know, saying anything to the pages or whatever, he, you know, he, he kind of had this like, you know, a little more of a hushed voice. Uh, it was kind of shaky and, you know, he just, he sounded like f- fucking worn out by life <laughs> and probably the tumor that was growing in his noggin. Um, and, uh, but then as soon as he'd step on Mike, it was, like, he was a completely different person. Like, he was, it was just a lion. Yeah. Uh, and that was really cool to witness. Um, well, that's what, you get taught how to do that if you're a Kennedy. Yeah, well, I think it's in their blood. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
Like, they actually inject lion's blood into them as children. Uh, <laughs> it's one of the Kennedy's rites of passage. And then they have to drown a, a woman in a river. Yeah. Or get assassinated. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the final rite of passage. Technically, uh, Ted Kennedy did get assassinated by cancer. By his own brain. Yeah, his own brain just turned on him. Killed him. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that was cool. Like, there were, um, I don't know. I mean, we got to see, like, like Samuel Alito's confirmation was, wow. Or, is it, yeah, Sam Alito? Whatever. The Justice yeah. Alito. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Sam Alito and John Roberts was going through his hearings and shit. So we would just see them walking around the Capitol. Um, uh, we got a picture with the King of Jordan one day. That's crazy. Uh, and I made a really uh, insensitive Jewish joke to one of my friends that was a page. Uh, and in the picture, I can still see that he's mad about it. <laughs> um, uh, like, I passed the Dalai Lama in a hallway, which was super cool. What is it like? Does he have? Does Dalai Lama have an entourage? Is there like? Yeah, it's like there were a couple other monks, and you know, and I mean, there were press people everywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, I saw Angelina Jolie in the Capitol. Ugh. Yeah. A um, couple people saw Bono. Just, yeah, fucking go home. It's like, if you were, like, if you work at the White House, you were working the staff or whatever, uh, you know, you're not, like, an elected official. You're just one of the workers. Like, you were a page and the other staff members there. And you see, like, Bono strutting his stuff through. Like, isn't the first thought immediately, like, fuck you. What yeah. are you doing here? Go back to you MTV douchebag. Yeah. yeah. Why are you here? Like, Angelina Jolie was speaking to, like, a gaggle of press. Yeah. Like, 25, 30 people. It's like... She plays make-pretend. Yeah. Like, it's nice that she's, you know, in favor of helping people and stuff, but, like, give money. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's yeah, it, it's not, it's shitty to like attack people for trying to make a difference, but it's like you're not. No, I just because I feel like maybe the maybe that like Bono and Angelina Jolie. I don't think they have bad intentions. No, or anything, but then they also bring in the media circus. Well, and, and they like, focus on like a, it takes attention away from other issues. And Bono's still wearing the fucking sunglasses. Yeah, it's like, dude, you're in the fucking U.S. Capitol. He's <laughs> too cool. <laughs> So anyway, uh, <laughs> so then the page program, and that only lasted a year? Uh, it's a semester. Semester. Yeah. And then so after that, you were a little bit jaded about politics. When do you get, well, then you started... Uh, well, and just like for full disclosure, yeah. uh, I had like a weird little heartbreak thing happen there, and I left the program like a month early because oh. I was sad and like doing poorly in school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I didn't make the full semester. Oh, well. But you know, I'm still in touch with those people. <laughs> I still think they consider me part of the class. Not sure. I'm in the yearbook. Nice. Well, that's so, all that matters. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm I'm in the the uh, the Library of Congress in the page yearbook. <laughs> that's really funny. Yeah. So there is documentary, and uh, you know, we can we can fact check this. I'll have my team of fact checkers. Pull up that year. What year was that? Two thousand. Fall of two thousand five. Five. All right. And uh, and all the people on my staff who work really hard here at Democracy <laughs> How, uh, we'll, we'll we'll look into that and verify. We don't want to pass any false uh, falsehoods on to the listener. And uh, and C-SPAN has an archive online. Yeah. 
where I've just, like, clicked to random days of the sessions where I was working. I'm just like, ah, I was such a little douchebag! <laughs> <laughs> Look at my terrible hair! Oh, this is, that'd be great if you, like, go off to do, like, a political assassination, because then that's what will get shown in, like, the footage, you know? It'll be like, oh, man, and so he was involved in politics All right, back then when he was in high school. Let's, let's not even hypothetically <laughs> associate me with a political assassination. <laughs> I don't want... I've, I've had enough weird stuff in my life. I don't need that even possibly coming <laughs> You know, like how though... Uh, what's his name? The guy who killed people. Uh, he killed all the boys and put them underneath his floor. John Wayne Gacy. John Wayne Gacy. Yeah, he was like... The clown, in, yeah. Yeah, he was a clown and he was also involved in... I want to say... Uh, Jimmy Carter's campaign in some small oh, capacity. Yes. Like, there's a, a uh, president's wife... I forget who it was. I think it was Carter, who is like photographed with John Wayne Gacy. Wow. Maybe it's not a president. Maybe it's a congressman. I could be screwing this up. You know what? But I, it's a politician, and then they always show that clip when they're. Like, I will say, out of my page class, I'm probably only like the fourth or fifth most likely to murder someone. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first. Most of the people in the Senate page program are murderers. No, I'm just saying there are a few that. That were in my program that, like, potentially have the capacity to, like, kill somebody and have no remorse for it. <laughs> they have a perfect uh, head start on politics. I yeah. Uh, so, then you, at some point, you started doing stand-up comedy. Yeah. And then at some point, you started do, uh, getting involved in, like, more activist stuff. Well, actually, like, this is, like, it's kind of embarrassing how I came to Occupy. Yeah. Um... Because, like, it was, like, the eighth or ninth day that it was happening in Zuccotti Park. Yeah. And one of my neighbors, who is involved in comedy as well, um, was like, we should go, like, hang out. Like, check it out. And I was like, sweet, I'm down. Because I wanted to make protest signs. Yeah. Because that was funny to me. <laughs> uh, and not, not, like, mocking what was going on, but right. just, like... A girl had just been sprayed with pepper spray for nothing, yep. like, blasted in the face by a cop. Yep. So, like, one of my signs was, like, can I get a burrito with my pepper spray? I'm unemployed. <laughs> uh, so, like, that was fun to me. Yeah. And, like, I made a few of those, and I got down there and was instantly like, oh, shit, this is, like, for real. Yeah. Like, people, like, there are some brilliant people here. Like, I met so many awesome, amazing people there. And, like, it immediately had this weird feeling of, like, oh, this is, like, something different. Right. Like, it, uh, like, people were pissed. Yep. And people still are pissed. Yeah, nothing really got solved. No. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was, it was really cool to, to, like, find a thing where it was, like, yeah, I think this stuff is fucked up, too. And, like, so we're just... We're getting together about it. We're gonna like talk about it finally. Yeah, sweet. Um, so yeah. So then, like from there, I started going every day. Yeah. Like I lived in Brooklyn, and like I would come in to Manhattan every day. And early on, I was doing a lot of like organizational stuff. Um, like there were like committees and shit, uh, and like so the biggest thing with Occupy, I mean, I think. What its ultimate demise was is that it, it got to the point where most of our time was spent figuring out logistics of how to exist in the park. Yeah. 
like it became just like, like, by, like feeding people feeding people, people water getting water having power yeah um toilet trees I toilet yeah well yeah i mean fucking you know figuring out will mcdonald's keep letting a shit in their bathrooms right um and then like at some point the camp like split like the park split into like an east and west Really? So, it's like, this tiny just... it's this tiny marble park yeah. in fucking Manhattan that has these like dead trees and we're there because we're like, this is all fucked. Yeah. Like this is a bullshit system. And even we couldn't stay together for like three months. <laughs> Actually it was two months. Yeah. And yeah, like so the western half of the park... So there was an ideological split between them? Like, uh, we want to do things this way, we want to do things this way. Because I wasn't involved in Occupy. It was going on. Uh, I worked in Boston, and they were occupying um, right next to the train stop I got out of uh, for my work. And I think, like, I didn't really go to it, but I had to walk by it every day. And I did see it. It was obviously smaller than Occupy New York uh, or Occupy Wall Street. Um yeah, it was something to see a lot of people out there. And, like, where it was situated in Boston was right across from a big Bank of America building. So people were, like, pissed. Yeah. And, like, they and if the park filled up just to its capacity with tents, and it was something to see. And it's, like, people were marching, and they were shutting down streets. And it's, like, I had only seen that in movies about the 60s. Yeah. And it's, like, that didn't really exist. Dude, there and were... Like, like you said, when you're first making the sign, it's, like, when you see a protest, like, usually when you're a kid growing up, like... Or for us, anyway, our age group, uh, you'd see, like, a little protest. It'd be, like, five, maybe ten people mad the about college something. college kids, yeah. yeah. And then, like, people just kind of passing them by or, like, yelling, fuck you, Adam. And, like, not that that didn't happen with Occupy, but that was, you, you kind of, it made you stop and look at it and be like, yeah. well, what's going on? Well, and, yeah, like, so, so the split, it wasn't really an ideological split. Uh, it was, like... The eastern half was where a lot more of the organizational stuff happened and the meetings happened and, like, yeah. the information booth was set up and, like, the media booth and, like, all that stuff was. And there were people that lived over there yeah. that had their tents and stuff there. But the west side of the park was kind of, like, the degenerate part. Um, like, I mean, that's, that's where, like, the drum circle dudes would be. Yeah. Like... We had to impose regulations on the fucking drum circle. Because they would go 24 hours a day. Yeah. And there were, there were like, noise complaints and shit. And, like, even we were complaining because we were fucking annoyed by so it. So how did that then, how did the internal government work? So, because it sounds like, so if you impose regulations on it, that means there was, like, an internal government kind of operating. Yeah. And how Every, did that run? And it, was it hierarchical or was everything no, seemed to be Everything horizontal. was direct democracy. Yeah. Um... That so, sounds like a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it so like, so what it would be is every night there would be a general assembly. Yeah. And anyone that wanted to speak at general assembly could. Yeah. And, uh. And who like, uh, sorry for cutting you off, but like, was there anyone that like, who kind of like dictated that? Like, or did it just kind of spontaneously form or was it in place by the time you got there? It was kind of in, pl like it was in place when I got there, but yeah. like it evolved. Yeah. So, uh, so it was, like, an organic thing. Like, yeah. Nobody's, like, running this out of, like, a and textbook there, being, there was, like, yeah. how to, you know, X, Y, and Z. And I think it was some of it, because, like, I would hang out with the anarchist groups. Yep. And some of it was kind of modeled after anarchist structures. Yep. Just, like, non, like, structures without hierarchies, yep. where it's just, like, everyone's on the same level. 
Um, so, so it was kind of influenced by that, but, uh, but yeah, a lot of it was just kind of its own thing, like, growing and evolving, and a lot of it was really silly. Yeah. Um, so, like, so when you would speak at General Assembly, uh, or, like, if you needed people's attention, oh my god, this, this is, (laughs) it's weird remembering all this stuff. So, if you needed to announce something, you would yell, mic check. And then everyone that could hear you yeah. would yell "mic check" back. Oh yeah. And then you would say what you were saying in pieces. So you would you would yell it, oh, yeah, and then sounds. everyone that could hear you would like yell it out as well. It's called yeah. the it was called the people's microphone. Yeah. So that was like how we communicated ideas, like you know, to everyone, and that's how the general assemblies worked. So oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and it just shows you how like people can just uh, come together and just figure this shit out on their own. Like we did, like it doesn't need a state to figure it out for you yeah. or impose these. It just happens organically. Like everyone, and that everyone was, has something to say, so let's let everybody. That say was something. one of the things that evolved is like because initially, like you didn't really need, you know, it to go out. Yeah. But eventually, it got to the point where there are like three or four rounds of everything being repeated. Yeah. Like, the General Assemblies got that big. Wow. Like, there were thousands of people crammed into this fucking park. And it was it was so incredible. Uh, so then, um, you know, when you would speak, that's the way you would speak, yep. is like, you know, a few words at a time, and then letting it all spread, you know, ripple all the way out, and then, you know, the next part. So it was kind of tedious. Yeah. Um... And, and, and I'm just picturing also like a game of telephone, like when you whisper something in somebody's ear and it goes down the line. So it's like the question you ask way in the back is just like, yeah, Farfalufin? No, kind no. of. But I mean, like when it's at that scale, yeah. And you know, when you're on, you know, the next row that would be hearing it, like you're not just hearing one person; you're hearing like a wave yeah, of yeah. what that sentence is. Um, so it's it's a lot harder to misinterpret. Right. Right. Um. But yeah, so I mean, and with limited time, like the bigger it got, the more difficult it got to get right. through things. Um, but yeah, so the way things would work is like you would speak, and then like you know there there would be votes for stuff, and it's like uh, it was this is this is really silly. Uh, so if like someone was speaking and you wanted to express approval or. Uh, I believe we would vote the same way. Yeah. Uh, what you do is you hold your hands up in the air. Yep. And you wiggle your fingers. And that's how you express approval. That's approval. Um, but, so, since it was uh, direct democracy, if one person had, uh, like, a complete objection to, uh, to something, like, to something that was happening, they could block it. Like, one person could block something from going through. Um, so based on just like anything that the so I mean if, if like so to to show that you wanted to block something you would hold your arms in the air and do an X so if just one person did that just one and then that would have to be debated and it could be like you know knocked down um, so there were a lot of them that were super arbitrary and you know it just ended up being groups of people talking this person into just like this isn't the point that's not this isn't the point right. of what we're doing. Right. Like, you're making needless arguments. This is not what we're going for. Which is also another big part of the downfall of Occupy is, 
it became about too many things. Because everyone... I mean, so that, that was part of the problem. I mean, not part of the problem. I mean, One it was of those part problems of... was the drum circle, so somebody had to, yeah. had to put the hands up and vote, and then I imagine the drum circle people put their arms up in an X. Well, and, I mean, uh... but, like, it was a thing where, like... We want to keep drumming. Yeah. But, I mean, it was a thing where, uh, like, people were complaining to the police, so, you know, right. it started to become a thing of, like, jeopardizing, you it's know, stuff you, at you know, if you're trying to sleep, it gets late. And you yeah, totally. To totally. For, yeah. And it's a reasonable request. And even during the day, it was just so fucking loud yeah. and just constant. Yeah. And like I don't know, I, like they those they were interesting kids. <laughs> um, but yes, it got too complicated and. Uh, yeah, I mean it. Uh, do you, do you wish that like the Occupy had like a very specific goal to go for? And what do you think if you you know what would we you did? Like? <laughs> That's the thing. Nothing would make me more. Like, I, there was, um, like, CBS National News had yeah. a camera crew down there, and, uh, like, I did, I did a few interviews for National News, yep. and only, like, a clip from one of them made it to air. Right. Uh, and I did this one for CBS, where they were asking all the typical questions that right. the news asks, like, so what are you guys standing for? And I was like... There are six posters right behind me that say exactly what we believe. Like, we don't have... What do you mean we don't have a message? You're here, you're looking at the signs, and you're, you're listening to the people saying what the message is. What do you mean we don't have a message? Yeah. And then, like, he and I went back and forth for a while... And it eventually got into me, like, attacking him for being a coward and for not honestly oh, portraying what's going on. Um, There's the, the, the footage of that is probably on a hard drive It's somewhere. probably it's somewhere. Um, but, like, I was really condescending. And I was, like, a 23-year-old kid. Yeah. And, and I'm talking to this, like, man who's a quote-unquote journalist... And I'm just, like, talking down to him and his cameraman. Yeah. It was so great. Uh, so, I mean, the, yeah, there was stuff like that. Like, we, um, when Fox News would send people down, um, we got to the point where we would just have to surround them and make noise <laughs> so they couldn't film anything because right. they would find, like, crazy people. Right, like, course. they wouldn't find anyone that was actually representative of what was happening. Right. They would find, like... That's one of the big criticisms, too, uh, or of any protest, or it's not really a criticism, it's more just uh, uh What's the word? It's a on-purpose attack. There's a better word for that. You know, they're purposefully uh, trying to portray protesters as crazy people. Oh, yeah. sync that up in the public's mind. For sure. Anybody who's protest must be a lunatic. But it, uh, any public gathering... Attracts like crazy people. Or, that's the or, thing. You don't want to call them crazy people, but you know that's a if you're homeless and schizophrenic, and then all of a sudden there's a gathering of people. Well, whatever, the you might be and like, the inclusive nature on. of Occupy, like right. we accepted everybody. And if there's food going around and or weed going well, around, and then I think NPR <laughs> broke this. Well, and there wasn't even a lot of weed there. Yeah, uh, there wasn't like that was a thing the news was constantly reporting on. It's like drugs. There's rampant right. drug yeah. use. They're dr- they're crazy. They do drugs and like first of all like. How does that? How does even smoking weed enter in? Like, who cares? Yeah, it's and a non-issue like, at this point. There, I smelled less weed there in like two and a half months than I would have smelled in a day in any other park in New right. York City. Yeah, 
Um, and then it also gets conveniently left out. It's like, you know, the rest of the population has these numbers in exact proportion yeah. to this, too. It's not a story. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, so, so you would get... So, like, the drum circle people, like... Ah, fuck, they're here. We can't tell them to leave. Um, And then, you know, that's the same thing that happened with the, like, diluting the message. Yep. Is that, you know, other people got on and they're like, well, we, what about our thing? It's like, yeah, yeah, cool. But, like, this is the thing, this is the focus right now. Uh, This is about Wall Street. Right. Uh, Yeah. And that was the other thing, like, what are you guys, like, what are your demands? You don't have any demands. Like, Occupy Wall Street. Our problem is clearly with Wall Street. It's in the fucking name. It's an occupation. Occupations have a historical context of what they're for and what they're about. Yeah. You can't fucking piece it together? What do you... How'd you get your job? I guess, like, the what... How did, uh... I guess the the general... If you can, um... Summarize, I guess, like... I guess, I don't know. If you can kind of, um... Summarize everybody's what Occupy uh, was about. No, like, like well, not so much what it was about. Like, how are, how are you going to bring about that change? Like, how was the protesters on the street going to force any kind of change on Wall Street or uh, force the government to act? Like, what was the breaking point? Like, well, we see, need- and that that was the hard thing is like because initially there were ideas of like proposing legislation and stuff like that. Yeah, but then, like I said, too much of it got caught up with just trying to figure out how to continue to exist. Right. And um, and then, I mean, when it started to spread across the country and then around the world, yep. um, it was this weird thing of, like, we kind of, like, it got to a point where we're like, well, it just has to change. They have to acknowledge this. Right. But no, they don't. <laughs> and then, like, we were getting to that point, like, holy right. shit, this is happening all over the world. Right. They have to acknowledge this. And then they shut them down all over the country. Right, right. <laughs> so that, I mean, I guess, like, do you see, uh, like, another uprising in that way? Uh, like, ma- I guess, mass protests. Do you see that coming in the future? Do you think it will be similar to Occupy? Uh, do you think there are improvements that need to happen if that uh, if it's going to sustain itself? Uh, um, I mean, I don't think anyone that was involved in Occupy in any capacity is content. Right. Like, I don't think those feelings have gone away for anyone. Right, just because the, the movement was uh, stopped, it doesn't, like... Then nothing happened to address the yeah, grievances. So nothing. Why does anybody think it's going to go away? And I'll tell you, like I saw Chris Hedges um, speak uh, in LA a couple weeks ago, and I and I actually saw him in 2013 too. He came here, uh, and there were a lot of people out at that event. And yeah, like, man. He's like a guy who you know, if you read his columns and his stuff, and you genuinely generally agree with him, he's. A, pretty doom and gloom like he's not a guy that you would want to go see unless you are really not happy with the way things are going in your country and with your government dude so, i mean it's still there it's still there it. and we had marches where there were tens of thousands of people yeah like there was a day we marched from union square to wall street which like for New York City, that's a long fucking way. And the parade was, like, the length of that route. Wow. Like, it was completely blocked off. 
and like literally tens of thousands of people like people as far as you can fucking see just filling the street and there was no media coverage of it at all so like we shut down fucking broadway right in manhattan (laughs) for like two miles a couple miles yeah and nope nothing Not not a mention on national news. Yeah, if if there were like five Muslim guys in like turbans walking down Broadway, they would have. How many cameras would have been on them? Just just phone calls in to the police. But yeah, like, do you think though that so, you know, like I uh, read a lot of like the communist message boards and follow Twitter accounts, and Mm -hmm. I would describe myself as a communist or. Marxist and there, you know, there's a lot of the uh, communists are very militant and believe that the only way that you actually bring about uh, a change is going to have to be through like the workers' revolution. Yeah. However you feel about that, but do, um, do you think though that Occupy, like, because all the traditional means of making people pay attention to you, like getting thousands of people in the street, yeah, being peaceful, like just. Please acknowledge our our grievances. Yeah, and having nothing come, literally nothing come from it. In fact, like Obama's probably making things worse yeah. with uh, the the Trans Pacific Partnership and all the trade agreements yeah. that he's working on right now. Like, just nothing was acknowledged. No. So does like something more? I don't want to say like I already I talked about revolution on this like a violent communist revolution and I'm another person coming up to talk about it again. Uh, but do you think that there's going to have to be some other kind of Militancy, even if it's like peaceful militancy, like for reals, like uh, like shutting down Wall Street, like uh, like storming it, like you know, going yeah. on the trading floor or something like that, to the point where you're gonna, they're going to have to arrest like thousand people storming it. But the like, thing is, they arrested seven hundred people on the Brooklyn Bridge in one day. That's true. I forgot about that. Yeah, they don't so, give a fuck. So what what is it going to take when things sh- when shit hits the fan again, like? I mean, because I don't want to like. I think like personally, I don't, I don't, I don't like violence. I don't think a war like that's not good. Yeah. Uh, but like, I, I honestly don't. I think about this every day. It's like, how are you going to break this system? How does it stop? So and I, I think about this a lot as well. Um, and one of the things that really annoyed me about Occupy. I mean, not Occupy itself, but about being a part of Occupy and other people was people saying, well, then what's the solution? Yeah. Dude, like, the American colonists were pissed, but that doesn't mean they knew how to form a fucking government. Right. Like, I, I've, I've, like, done a lot of, a lot of thinking about this, and, like, when the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution were written, there were roughly three million people in America. Yeah. And it took, like, what, 50 to 70 of the brightest minds from those three million to figure out a system, like, it took them months to figure out a system just to run and govern those three million people. Yeah. And we were, like, people in a park, just trying to exist in a fucking park from all different kinds of backgrounds with no actual power, and we're just trying to figure out how to fucking exist. And you want us to figure out. You want us to do the work, even though we have fucking elected officials that are supposed to be doing it. You want us to do the legwork and figure out how to govern 330 million people in two fucking months? Yeah. Like, what do you... What You're not acknowledging the, like, 
the monstrous nature of the situation. Right. Um, like, we're pissed, but that doesn't mean we know. Um, I, I, there's obviously no... Uh, there's, even if you believe, like, hardline revolution is the answer, we got to finally overthrow the government, whatever. Yeah. Like... How do you even begin to start See, that? Like, I, who would even know? Like, you can't even... It's not even feasible at this point yeah. in time. So, like, whatever movement that gets planned, like, it's got to... Like, a bunch of other movements got to start and fail before it. And I think well, that's, that's a part of, like... I wouldn't consider Occupy a failure. I think that was something that the media caught on very quick. Like, it failed! And then yeah. that kind of got caught up in the zeitgeist. Yeah. And everybody just said it. But, like, we and, still all know about it. Right. We still know about it, and the problems didn't go away. Yeah. And, and it reached me. Like, yeah. I, I, like, it had to have reached other people. I'm sure it did. And now I'm uh, in a state of where I'm actively thinking. I'm making this stupid podcast that nobody listens <laughs> to. And I'm just trying to put out, and, uh, and I really try to make it as unentertaining is uh, unentertaining unentertaining no it's gotta be un right I don't know not entertaining well at least at least now uneducated (laughs) yes (laughs) we don't know words I try and make it uh, unlistenable okay so like I don't I hate infotainment I was like and I feel like we've been having too many laughs on this episode. So I'll have to edit some of those. But yeah like but but, well to, to answer the question like as to what the next thing will be i don't know yeah i really hope it doesn't come to a point of like a violent overthrow but i think that with the pervasiveness of the apathy in modern america like you you know with the youth like they you know they have their involvement but it's like fucking twitter involvement like you know you're not really speaking out because you're not you're not even out you're right. not even on a street fucking yelling something. Yeah. You're just in your room. Type, 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 click, send. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm involved. Um, so I th- I don't know that anything like that will specifically in that way rise again. Um, I think it's going to take some sort of collapse. Like, right. I think the reasons Americans aren't pissed, as pissed as they need to be yet, is because we're still too well fed. Right. We still all have food. Yep. But and the government, I mean, our our social uh, welfare programs stink as compared to other countries. Yeah, but there's still a social safety net that keeps to, enough people with just enough so that exactly. right now they're so not they're not dieting. starving to yeah, death. Right. And that's the thing. I mean, with the the state of drought that the country has been in within you know the last couple of years, and that's also scary how little that really gets acknowledged. Yeah, I mean, they, they talk about it, but they talk about it like it's any other story. Yeah, it's like no, no, no. We kind of need this. Well, and like we need water. I can't remember if it was last year or the year before, but during the summer, over fifty percent of the counties in the nation were in a state of emergency because of drought. Yeah, and all it's going to take is one year where we don't have enough food. Right. Like, when there's not enough food for everybody, that's when stuff changes. Yep. Like, that's the fucking French Revolution. Let them eat cake. Yeah. Well, there's no more fucking cake! Because there's no more flour to make the cake! Because yep. there's no corn! Because everything's dead! Because <laughs> you wouldn't stop burning fossil fuel like we kept telling you yeah. over and over again. Ah, capitalism. But, so, that, I think that also brings up, though... Like, when, because uh, I want to believe that um, political con- people will become politically conscious mm-hmm. and aware and able to overcome this before it hits a collapse. I want to believe that. But even then, know. how does it manifest itself? Right, how like, it manifests what's the catalyst? Is, I, I, who knows? Yeah. Who knows what it's going to be or if it will be. But I, I think the most likely catalyst will be, like, 
oops, we have an economic disaster, an environmental See. disaster. Uh, like, a few things collide at once at an at a, uh, apex, what do you call it, a uh, intersection? Yeah. A fancy math word for yeah. it. Some word. God damn it. So anyway, they all collide at one time, and then, oh my god, it, the government's just unable to perform its usual functions, and people are mad. But that Well, either just, that or the government is... Uh, no longer at all serving the people. Like, right. you know, if it gets to a state of, like, martial law or anything right. like that, then, I mean, then it'll have to reach a point where the people that are working for the government have to realize... That they might, yeah, they have to defectors. There has like to be that acknowledgement, yeah. And, but the thing that sucks is, like, because we have such poor political education in America, it's like, when that collapse happens, like, people got to read up quick... Or else, like, this is how, like, like even worse fascists take Oh, over. totally. Is, uh... But, I mean, see, that's, that's one of the cool things about, uh, like, the democratization of information with yeah. the internet is, like, so if there's a collapse, you know, that's, that's uh, pushed by the people, then, you know, the people will keep the, the internet open. Right. And then, you know, accurate information will be able to be disseminated. And, like, I feel like it, the modern world, it's becoming more and more difficult for that type of fascism to insert itself. Right. Uh, because of just the nature of information. Like, even, like, Egypt, Iran, yeah. like, you know, they, like, stuff like Tor was developed so they can still communicate. And that information, accurate information of what's actually happening can still be spread. And I think that's one of the cool things about, like, technology. And that's... Like, I have hope that technology can kind of save us. Yeah. But we're going to have to pay some other prices as a result. Yeah. Well, especially because uh, I think the government's kind of uh, digging its own grave. Because this is a problem, I mean, with the monitoring of, like, emails and phone calls. And again, so that was something that was... Uh, the bulk data collection was sort of stopped for a little while. and But then if you read that... Uh, what was the... Um, I forget whatever was passed, but they uh, instead of having it briefly went from like the government being able to bulk collect whatever, then the court ruling that it was unconstitutional, whatever they stopped it. But then what happening? What happened was uh, they're just making all the phone companies, well, phone companies record, record all the data. So now instead of it being directly the government recording, it's just, it's just the private. Yeah. yeah, it's like that's not any better. No, no. So, and I would I, I sincerely doubt that the government's going to stop doing that anyway like who's gonna make them yeah nobody's gonna make them yeah so they'll keep doing it and this is this is a scary thing to realize though like governments that start spying on its own population they don't have a history of ending very well no it doesn't they don't just like people don't wake up on the inside of it and go like hey we're being kind of crazy right now right let's let's dial it back they don't dial back i mean just get worse same with nations that have you know giant gladiatorial type you know (laughs) Like spectacles, yeah. yeah. Uh, they tend not to last. That tends to be kind of a death throw thing yeah. as well. Uh, so yeah, MMA, super fun. Get ripped, bros. We're going down. <laughs> I do think about that a lot, and I, you know what? Uh, yeah, I, I don't enjoy the UFC, and I saw. Um, I just don't like that level of like. I don't like to watch it, but I did see like this guy. My buddy turned me on to him. His name's Conor McGregor, mm-hmm. and he is like. Uh, like a professional wrestler like he just uh, he's all spectacle I've never actually seen him fight apparently he's got a really good record mm-hmm. but uh, yeah look up his 
his, his uh, pre-fight interviews, they're very entertaining. But I was like, this is super funny to watch, but it's also, like, they're going to like beat the shit out of each other. And it's like, this hybrid of the fake fighting now is combined with the real, the real awful, fighting. brutal yeah. fighting. I'm like, that can't be a good sign for society. See, like, I, I've always liked boxing. Yeah. Uh, which is still fucking brutal and barbaric. Right. But, like, you're not getting a knee to the head. Yeah. Like, I'd rather take a fucking boxing glove to the face a couple old times than, you know, like, one kick to the ribs. Oh, my God. Like, fuck you. <laughs> when you oh, see my them God. do, like, the kicks back and forth, I'm like, oh, how well, do you kicking each other? Like, yeah. I'd be dead. Well, then you see, the, you hear the arguments of, like, well, like, their refs, like, they can tap out and their refs are really good at making sure, like, dude, yeah. if they're good at making sure that they don't get further damaged, yeah. if you took a fucking knee to the head... Damage done. Yeah, you're not supposed to take one of those. Yeah, that's not supposed to be like a normal occurrence. Or like having your fucking nose elbowed. Yeah. Oh fuck you. <laughs> yeah, give me a, give me some gloves and I'll take some punches. But Jesus, give me a, a nice book and a hot cup of tea. <laughs> Any day over. So we're not. We're definitely not going to lead the revolution. Uh, we will be in the back of the lines. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. I'll, well, I mean, yeah. Yeah, the, the the end of my Occupy story is that I got the shit kicked on me by cops. I yeah, took... and that actually made the papers. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I took a nightstick to the temple. Um, so, I mean... We're going to th- use that. Can we use that image when I uh, post Oh, yeah, I don't give a fuck. Perfect. You might have to get it approved from Reuters. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, not up yeah. to me. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, it's like, it was a thing. My dad was a cop. So up to that, Ooh. yeah. So up to that point, I was like, up until my involvement in Occupy, I was kind of pro police because, like, yeah. I got it. I was like, yeah. I mean, they're not all bad, you know. They're, you know, they've helped out at times. We're gonna hashtag this with cops lives matter, <laughs> pig lives matter. Uh, so yeah. So I mean, going into it, like, I was still kind of you know all right with police. Like in yeah. New York, I would just like stop and talk to cops because like I got cops. Like I understood right. cop brain and how they talked. Um, so at Occupy, on almost every march we would have, I would see cops just beat the shit out of people. Oh man! And it just became the norm right. of just seeing it consistently. Seeing cops fucking punch women in the face. Yeah. Like, that's, I saw that shit multiple times. That's gotta have an effect. Like, yeah. like seeing it firsthand is different, like, than, than watching it on the news, or, you know, I've seen those videos of the cops, like, beating protesters and stuff, and that affected me, but, like, I can't imagine seeing it for real, like... Yeah. Well, and then it was... just shatters the illusion of America, like, everything, like, oh, like, you can peacefully assemble and protest, and... Yeah. Like, well, you're s- really gonna react that way? Seeing it, uh, was definitely one thing. Uh, and then but then the moment where I'm thrown against a fence and I'm looking into the fury-filled eyes of an NYPD lieutenant who has his arm cocked back and swings at my head with a fucking nightstick, um, that one really changes the perspective real quick. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, I mean, like, and it was, like, that was one of, I mean, clearly one of the the like most outstanding moments in my life but it was one of the strangest experiences I've ever had because he hit me with a full swing in my like my left temple and it made a noise and 
it's it's a sound that was completely alien because it was coming from inside my fucking head uh so because of the sound and the weird crack that it made i thought he hit me with a radio because it sounded like a weird... Because you know when you like hit something hard with plastic? Like yeah, that yeah. kind of plastic crack sound? Right. That's what it sounded like. But it was just my fucking head. So did you pass out? Did you get no. I didn't even fall down. <laughs> Which is, like... I have points of pride about this whole thing, but, like, the one, like, bullshit masculine point of pride I had, like, as a man, that had to have affected me. That he took a full swing with a fucking blunt object, concentrated force, to a weak spot on my head, and I just looked at him confused. (laughs) (laughs) I just pictured him just like looking at the time later that night. Just like, fuck! Yeah, just like tapping it on his head. I guess I lost some of the old, uh. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'm just losing it. I don't know. Alright, I'm running out of time. Uh, Thanks for listening. Thanks to Brent Schmidt. Uh, Check out uh, Jesse vs. Cancer podcast. And uh, we'll pick up next week. Uh, finish out that interview with Brent and more about Occupy and uh, 